Last week, for those of you who are here, Ruth and I tag-teamed um, up here on the platform to talk through kind of the vision that God's put on our hearts uh, and kind of fresh values for us as a church um, to what we believe that God has put in our hearts to take us as a church where he wants us to be um, over the next season of this church. So hopefully you enjoyed that. If you missed it last week, then I encourage you, get online to the podcast. You can get on Spotify, or if you've got a podcast app on your phone or on our website, you can listen to it in all those places. I'd really encourage you to go back and listen to that because it's really important. It sets the, the tone of where we're headed over the next season of Hope Church. So hopefully you enjoyed that. But we basically talked about, um, you know, it wasn't anything revolutionary, really. It was something fairly simplistic but actually core to the Christian faith and God spoke to us quite clearly to say that our overarching vision not for the year but as a church for this next season should be to love God first and foremost and then love people born obviously out of the the two greatest commandments that Jesus said to love the Lord your God with all your heart soul mind and strength first and foremost and then to love your neighbor as yourself so love God love people is our our core vision for this next season and we're going to be digging into that as well but then we talked about a fresh set of values to help us to achieve this to help us to get there to help us to uh, to fulfill this call that God's put on our lives so he he told us that we should be pursuing the heart of God that we should be helping people find their God-given purpose. We should be bringing hope to our community, restoring the brokenhearted and creating a culture of generosity. So those are the five core values that we believe should be the heartbeat of this house. And what we're going to do is spend the next five weeks just digging into those a little bit deeper, unpacking them and, and understanding what that looks like from a biblical perspective and also how that can look for us in a more practical sense as a church. Does that sound okay? So I'm sitting here on a stool to try and make it a little bit more conversational rather than preaching at you. I don't want to be preaching at you this morning. I want to take you on the journey that Ruth and I have been going on for the past month or so. So this morning we're going to look at pursuing the heart of God. Why don't we pray first and commit this time to God? Father God, we just thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love and your mercy. And, and I just want to thank you for this, uh, this word that you put on our hearts for us here at Hope Church in Lytham. And we thank you for your hand upon this local house that uh, you've got plans and purposes for us. And we just pray that as we unpack these values uh, that you've placed on our hearts, that they will help us to walk in line with you that they'll help us to seek you first, that they'll help us to walk in step with the purposes that you've got for us and that ultimately that will bring about your kingdom and, and an advancement of your kingdom and that we'll see salvations, that we'll see people healed, that we'll pe see people brought into wholeness in your name. So we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning we're looking at this value of pursuing the heart of God and that was born out of um, Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then I mentioned last week as well that Psalm 105 not only encourages us to seek the Lord but to seek his presence continually. That word continually I think there is really important that we're not only just to seek him once or to seek him on Sundays but actually it should be a continual process. It should be something that we're doing all the time and there's a real sense of intentionality here isn't there? There's a sense of actually we need to put some work in, we need to put some effort in, we need to actually do something in our lives to put him first and not just 
on certain days, not just for five minutes in a morning or five minutes in the evening, but actually continually throughout our day to be seeking the presence of God, to be finding him in everything that we do, to be pursuing his heart. And the Bible promises that if you seek God with all your heart, that you'll find him. That's the promise, that if we seek God, we'll find him. And if you seek him, actually, you'll get to know God in a real and a personal way. You'll get to understand his heart. You'll get to understand more of his character. You'll get to understand more of who he thinks you are. Because sometimes we can have an opinion of ourselves, but actually, when we seek God's presence, when we seek his face, when we seek to know him more, we'll get a greater understanding of who he thinks we are. And I'm hoping that actually as we dig into that, as we lean into that idea, that we'll, we'll hear what God's saying about us and how much he loves us and how much he cares for us and how much he's for us. And hopefully that will then bring us back round to a place of joy and a place of fulfillment like we started this service with this morning. Thanksgiving that we just want to pour out to God because of how great he is. So as we seek him, he'll reveal more of himself to us. And when you commit to seek God's will ahead of your own, that's the key, isn't it? That when we seek God's will above anything else, we don't put our own agendas first, we put his agenda first, then he'll begin to reveal his will and his purpose for our lives. So when we choose to prioritize this, when we intentionally pursue the heart of God, this, this first value that we're looking at this morning, actually that will then help us to recognize God's given purpose for our lives, value two, that we'll be looking at next week. So there's this process, there's this journey that these values are taking us through. So as we pursue the heart of God, he'll then bring revelation to us about his purpose for our lives. There's this natural flow through these values and hopefully as we go through these next few weeks, you'll come with us on this journey as we understand who God is and, and who he is calling us to be. So there's something actually in this promise that if we seek God, we'll find him. If we seek God, we'll find him. But that's not all it, it says. In Jeremiah 29, it says, if you seek me, you'll find me when you seek me with all your heart. If you seek me, you'll find me. There's the promise. But the challenge is that we actually need to seek God with all of our heart. It means that we can't be half-hearted in this journey. We can't be just kind of uh, doing the bare minimum. We need to seek God. We need to pursue God with all of our heart. We need to be totally committed to this call, to this challenge to pursue the heart of God. We need to be all in in that sense with, with everything that we do to pursue him, to pursue his heart, to understand his character. So we wanted to share this value first because essentially it's foundational to everything that we're going to be doing and looking at as a church. It kind of undergirds in that sense everything that follows in these values that God's placed on our, heart, on our hearts. So what does it look like to pursue the heart of God? That's what we want to unpack a little bit this morning. And what I've done is broken it down into three R's to hopefully make it memorable for us all. Three R's and the first R is relationship. Pursuing the heart of God ultimately boils down to a relationship with him. We have to have a relationship with our heavenly father, with our creator, with our source of strength, of peace, of joy, and of hope. We have to have a relationship with him. Pursuing the heart of God means that everything that we do comes from this place 
of an increasingly intimate relationship with God. It's a journey that we're all on, and some of us may be just setting out in this journey, or maybe we're, we're still exploring even the possibility that there, that there is a God, but we're still on this journey and this journey of a relationship. And at some point, I believe that if you pursue him, if you genuinely open your hearts to the possibility that there may be a God, that there may be a creator, that he will reveal himself to us. That's the promise that's in the scriptures. You see, God's intention was always to have relationship. His intention was always to have a relationship with us, his humans, his, his people, his creation. He always wanted to have a relationship. You look right back in the beginning with Adam and Eve. It says in that scripture that Adam and Eve heard God walking in the garden. It said that they heard him walking in the garden. And this was before they'd made that decision to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It was before sin came into the world. So before sin entered the world, the right way, the proper way, the, the planned way of this earth being lived out was for God to walk in the presence of his creation. For him to be with us, to live with us, to do life with us, to, to share his heart with us face to face, in person. They can't imagine how, how incredible that must have been for Adam and Eve before you know, they made this decision actually to have had that, that personal relationship with, with Jesus where they could actually see him and, and speak to him and, and laugh with him in that sense. But we still have the promise that he's with us through the power of his Holy Spirit living and dwelling within us, that we can still have that intimate relationship with him. So how do you build relationship? How do you cultivate a relationship with someone? Well, you spend time with them, don't you? You spend time with them, you, you do life with them, you share your joys with them, and you share your sorrows with them. It, it comes from a place of quality time. I don't know, if you, you may have come across the five love languages. It's, a, it's an excellent thing if you're embarking on a journey of a relationship or if you've been in a relationship for a long time to understand what your partner's love language is. And Ruth's love language is quality time. She loves to spend quality time with me. That's how she feels love. And, and that's not my primary love language. My primary love language is physical touch. But what I have to do is recognize that her love language is quality time and put her needs above my needs and give that to her. Because she, uh, she recognizes that and, and feels that and appreciates that as an expression of love. And so actually that, that is key to our relationship with God. We need to spend quality time with him. I think that's his love language that we should spend quality time with our Father in heaven, with our Creator. We should give Him our best. We should give Him our full attention. You know, Ruth and I have been married for 12 years, and that, that doesn't come out of kind of, it doesn't just happen. You have to put some work into creating a relationship that lasts. You have to put the other person first. You have to be intentional about loving. You know, love doesn't you know, when you're in that kind of honeymoon period, love comes naturally, doesn't it? And it's just so easy to love the other person. And then you get married and you move in with them and you learn about all their irritating little habits and you still need to love them in spite of all of that. You need to choose to love them. Thankfully, God doesn't have any irritating habits. 
So it should be easy for us to love him, but we still need to choose to love him because actually there's things that will come into our lives that will try to stop us, that will try to cause a barrier from us having that natural love relationship with our father, whether it's uh, sickness or, or loss in our lives or financial struggles, whatever it is, these things can come against us essentially to stop us from having that loving and intimate relationship with our father. But we're called to press through to push through those barriers, to put his needs above our needs and to love him above anything else. And what it means to have a quality relationship, to, to spend quality time with someone, it means that you, you need to be interested in each other. It means that when you're having a conversation with your partner, you need to be listening to what they're saying. That's right, gents. I'm talking to you. You need to be listening to what your partner is saying. That doesn't mean when you're having a conversation, you've got one eye on the TV or your phone or thinking about what you're going to have for tea. It means that you have to make eye contact. It means that you have to be uh, listening actively. It's called active listening. Shall I give you some tips? You make eye contact and you make some noises like this. Ah. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. When you respond to what your partner is saying, it lets them know that you're listening. Don't just make those noises because you might get the, the wrong noise and that, that will not go down well. Make sure that your response is actually to what it is that they're, they're saying. But I love how the Bible talks about marriage. And, and bear with me for those of you who aren't married. This isn't just a message for married people. It's a message for how our relationship with Jesus should be. But the Bible talks about marriage and it says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. So that means that wives should be putting their husbands first and foremost. Above themselves, they should be putting their husbands in that place. It sounds great, doesn't it, guys? It sounds really good for us, but that's not all it has to say on the matter. It goes on to say, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And that means that we need to put our wives before ourselves. So we're putting ourselves before them, and they're putting themselves before us. And actually what we'll find is this perfect relationship, this relationship that God intended for us in the first place. And when things start to go wrong and when things start to mess up, it's because one of you is not putting the other above yourself. And that's how God intended relationship with him to be. In fact, all relationships, friendships, relationships with co-workers, relationships with neighbors, relationships with strangers, we should be putting other people's needs above our own. And that's how you cultivate a quality and lasting relationship by putting others needs first and this is how we should build relationship with God that we need to put his needs first that we need to put seeking him and pursuing his heart above anything else in our lives first and foremost we need to be seeking the kingdom of God the Bible talks doesn't it about finding the secret place about finding the secret place where we can spend this quality time with God. Now, if you've read that and you've been a little bit confused and perhaps thinking that there's some mystical, hidden, invisible place in the world where you need to get to in order to open that door, enter in and close it so you can spend 
quality time with God, I believe that that's not what it means. Actually, what it means is it's an intentional decision that each of us has to make to establish routine in our lives to spend quality time with our Father. That we need to be intentional, that we need to choose, that we need to cultivate within ourselves a character that has a continuous relationship with our Father. That we choose to love Him. That we choose to love Him. And that includes, you know, reading our Bible and praying and actually listening to Him, like we talked about, actively listening to God because He speaks. And if we don't hear him speak, it's probably because we're not listening hard enough. He's speaking. All the time he's speaking to us. We just need to listen, to make eye contact with him, to seek his face, to actively pursue his heart. And then we'll hear that still small voice speaking to us. You know, we recognize actually as a church that each of us has an individual and a personal relationship with God. And we're, we're all on this journey, aren't we? All of us are on a, a different stage of this journey. Each and every one of us are on this journey. You know, you may, you may just be setting out, you may have been a Christian for, you know, 10, 20, 30 years. I don't know where you're at on, on your journey, but every single one of us is on a journey. And what we want to do as a church is to provide opportunity for each and every one of us, no matter where we are on that journey, we want to provide opportunity and space for us to grow. Space for us to move a little bit forward, more forward on that journey. To take the next step on that journey, whatever that might look like. It might be that you're exploring faith. That you're just exploring this possibility that there may be a God. And, and you just want to ask some questions. And that's what Alpha's for. That's why we're so excited to have, have launched Alpha a couple of weeks ago. Because it, it provides space and opportunity for people to ask those questions in a, in a safe environment. To not be judged or have a finger pointed at you for not being good enough or not being Christian enough. But just to, to create space and opportunity to ask questions and have conversations and hopefully try to understand a little bit more about the Christian perspective on who God is and what he wants for us as his creation. Or maybe you want to dig a little bit deeper. Maybe you've already made that decision and you've been on that journey a little while, but you want to go a little bit deeper in your relationship with God. And that looks like kind of living this life of relationship, doesn't it, and with Jesus. And, and that's why we want to open up life groups. So we've already kind of planned out life groups that once Alpha's finished, we'll give it a bit of a break because I think there's some school holidays then, but then we'll be launching life groups again. And it's those places in a smaller group when you get together with like-minded people and you can again have those safe discussions, you can have those open discussions, but perhaps it's opportunity to go a little bit deeper. We start to talk about, about stuff that's not quite surface level, but goes a little bit deeper into understanding the Bible, to understanding the levels of God, to understanding the depths of his love for us. And I encourage you, each and every one of you, to connect into a life group. It's so important to be connected to other people because we can come to church on a Sunday and it's really easy to, to kind of slip in and slip out, almost unnoticed. But it's when you connect into those smaller groups it's, that, it's those places where we can create 
a more family environment where we can build those more intimate relationships with one another, where we can pray for you on a specific level, where you can feel safe and comfortable to share where you're at in life. And so I encourage you when, when we start to talk about life groups in about a month's time, connect into those. Take the opportunity. Prioritize life groups. You know, when we had Luke preaching here a, a few a couple of months ago, I think it was, he was talking about church, about Sunday being an, a non-negotiable in his life. No matter what happened, he would always be at church on Sunday. And I think that's a great attitude to have. But I also believe that life group should be a non-negotiable in our lives because it's in those places where we can build deeper relationships, where we can go deeper into God's love for us and experience his presence in a totally different way. You know, our lives are incredibly busy, aren't they? They're filled with family and work and friends and, and worries and all this stuff that we put into our lives. But we recognize that we need to cultivate a real relationship with God. And that means that we need to create space. It means that we need to create space for us to hit the pause button and to find that still quiet moment to be in God's presence. So we want to encourage you each and every one of us should be cultivating that, that character within us that just wants to pursue the heart of God, to, to build relationship with God at every available moment. Is that good? And that brings us on to the second R, which is rest. So we've got relationship. We need to cultivate this relationship with God. But the second is rest. And it says in Matthew 11, Come to me, all who labor and are heavenly laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. You'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And then in Psalm 62, it says, truly, my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. So the type of rest that we're talking about this morning is not getting home after work on a Friday night and putting your feet up with a glass of wine and some Netflix on the telly. It's not that kind of rest that we're talking about. We're talking about rest for your soul. Rest for your soul. I'm currently reading a book by Judah Smith, one of my favorite preachers at the moment from over in Seattle. And this book is called How's Your Soul? And it's talking about this, this uh, principle that actually, if we're to find true rest in God, we find it in his presence. And he kind of gave this example of, you know, we can go away, we can go on holiday, we can go to visit friends, we could go abroad on mission, and we can be having a fantastic time. But actually, it can be a little bit exhausting, and it can be a little bit tiring. And, and I don't know about you, but when you're away... You might be enjoying yourselves, but you can't wait to get home. There's nothing quite like getting back in your own bed. I flipping love that feeling. When you've been away, I don't know about, sometimes when I go away, I have to take my own pillows because I'm quite fussy about the height of my head when I'm lying down in bed. And my own pillows feel better than any other pillow in the world. So sometimes I do that, but not always is that an opportunity. But there's nothing like getting home and getting in your own bed. I love it. But actually what this principle is saying is that the way that our souls find that feeling, the way that our spirits find that 
ah, oh, this is the perfect place, is being in the presence of God. It's being in the presence of God. Truly, my soul finds rest in God. You see, our God is our provider. He's the Prince of Peace, isn't he? And in James, we see the promise that as we draw close to God, he will draw close to us. As we pursue his heart, he will take care of our hearts. And it's a beautiful picture of this partnership that we can have with God when we choose to pursue him. When we choose to pursue the heart of God, when we choose to seek him above everything else, we find ourselves in the presence of God. And it's there that we find true rest. Let me remind you of the promise that's at the end of that verse in Matthew. As we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added to you. So we can be anxious and we can be worried and we can be concerned about, about things in our lives. But the promise is that as we seek God above all things, he will provide to us everything that we need. He's got this in hand. He's got you. He's got it sorted. He's with us. He's for us. We don't need to worry or be anxious about anything because all these things will be added to you. <coughs> and also, I think it flows out of, of knowing who you are in Christ. This rest comes from knowing who you are in Christ, about knowing your identity in him, about knowing the purposes and plans that he's got for you. Because when we recognize what we've been put on earth to do, it's then that you can find peace and rest in knowing that you're walking in the plans and purposes that God's got for your lives. I love that, that phrase that if you find a job that you love, you'll never have to work a day in your life. And that's true about this. If you find the purpose that God's put on your life, it won't feel like work anymore. It will just feel like a natural overflow of your love for, the heaven, for your heavenly father. You know, sometimes the stress in our lives can be caused by the way that we approach our circumstances. It can be caused by our attitudes towards these things that we're facing. But one key to knowing this rest that we're talking about is knowing that as believers in Christ, we're in partnership with him. We're in partnership with God. We don't need to strive to do it all on our own because we're in partnership with him. We're not on our own, we're walking with him. Yeah, we have a part to play, but also God has a part to play. So it's not all us, and it's not all him, it's us working together in partnership, in this beautiful, united front, working together to do what he calls us to do. And I think the times that we find ourselves anxious, the times that we find ourselves worried or uncomfortable is because maybe, just maybe, we're trying to do it all on our own. But let's come back to seeking his face first. Let's come back to pursuing the heart of God. And the, the heart of God is to have relationship, is to do life together. And it's then, when we're walking in step with him, that we find this peace, this rest, because it's not all about us. It's not us having to strive 
in, with everything that we've got to get the job done. It's about working in partnership. And then life becomes that little bit easier. Life becomes that little bit more comfortable. Don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying that life will be easy when you work in partnership with him. But you get that rest. You get that sense of, of, of peace within you because you know that you're walking in the plans and purposes of God. You know that he's got you. You know that he will provide everything that you need. You know, sometimes we find ourselves worrying and fearful and anxious and frustrated and we lose that sense of peace and joy. And, and actually, I believe that, that sometimes that comes because we think that God needs our help. I don't know about you, but sometimes I get to that place where I think maybe, maybe he needs a little bit of a hand in this. I've given this circumstance to him. I've said, God, I've got this problem. I'll hand it over to you because that's what the Bible says we should do. And you give it a few days and, and you're not seeing any results and you give it maybe a little bit longer and you're not seeing what God's doing in this situation. So you think, oh, well, maybe he needs a hand. Maybe, maybe I should make some suggestions. And so we start to play it over in our minds, don't we? Okay, this is what I'm facing. Well, maybe God... Maybe what you should do is this. And you start to lay out some strategies for him and say, if you just did this, then this would happen and everything would be all right again. How about, how about this for an idea, God? This is a good one. Why don't, you, why don't you try and do this? But that's not how it works, is it? You see, we can just hand stuff over to God. We can hand our anxieties and our fears and our worries over to him and then trust that's the part we need to play, trust. Patience, there's another tough one. We need to trust in him. We need to have patience with him to do things in the perfect timing. He'll come through for us. He's got it. He's heard you. Don't think he's ignoring you or he's not heard what you've said. He's heard it all right and he's working. We just need to trust in him. Trust in the fact that actually God knows more than we do. God's got a plan that's bigger than any strategy we could come up with. And then we need to have patience. We just need to wait on God. <clears throat> when we work in partnership with him rather than separated from him, when we're walking in step with him, he's with us, he's for us, and he gives us the grace for everything that we need to do in life. You know, I believe that God calls each and every one of us for a specific purpose. But I also believe that he has equipped us with everything that we need in order to fulfill that. We don't need to strive to find that source because he is our source. So this rest, it comes out of a place of trust. It comes out of a place of recognizing that God knows what he's doing. It comes out of recognizing that nothing is impossible for him. Nothing is impossible for him. And trusting that we can actually rely on him. You know, maybe you've had relationships in your life where you've put your trust in someone and that trust has been broken. And that can be really hurtful and it can be really harmful in our lives when we, when we give of our trust. Because it takes a lot, doesn't it, to, to trust in someone to hand over that, that piece of your life and say, I'm going to give this to you. I want you to take care of it. I want you to respect it. And then something happens and that trust is broken. 
And that's hard to come back from. It's hard to rebuild relationship when trust is lost. So maybe you've gone through something in your life where, where trust has been broken. And so actually, you find it a challenge to trust God. Because someone you know, someone you love has broken the trust that you've shared with them. But God isn't human. God isn't like you and me. He won't break your trust. He won't let that piece of your heart or that piece of your soul fall to the ground and break. He will take care of it. He will treat it as the most precious item in the world. He, you can trust in God no matter what. And that can be a barrier, and I believe that that's a barrier that, that some of us here this morning need to, need to work through. But I believe that when you press through that barrier of, of broken trust in your life, and you give of yourself to God, and you say, do you know what? Despite what's happened in my life, I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to trust in you. We'll see that actually he is trustworthy. He is trustworthy and we can give him everything of ourselves knowing that he will take care of it. Knowing that he sees us as precious. Knowing that he loves us unconditionally and sacrificially. So as a church, we want to encourage each other to continue on that journey of relationship. To encourage each other to pursue the heart of God and, and essentially to create environment and space for us to rest in his presence. You know, whether that's through our encounter nights or through prayer meetings or building up those relationships of trust in life groups or whether it's taking us to, to conferences where we can get a fresh understanding of who he is. We want to provide and create opportunities for each and every one of us to find true rest to find soul rest in the presence of God. So we're talking about relationship, we're talking about rest, and then finally what I want to talk about is revelation. You see, we've talked about this, this idea that we're all on a journey, whether we're interested to know more about the possibility of there being a God or whether we're walking with God daily, we're all on this journey. And I believe that at some point on that journey, we'll get revelation. We'll get this clarity. We'll get this moment in our lives where we finally get something about God. And that can happen at any moment. I don't believe that there's just one moment in our lives where we get revelation of who he is. We can get fresh revelation every time we open the word of God. We can get fresh revelation from him every time we spend a moment in prayer. We can get fresh revelation from God any time we find that true rest in his presence because we're never going to fully understand who he is. So we need to continually pursue the heart of God. We need to press in to him. We need to lean in to him to ask him to give us a fresh revelation of who he is. You know, as a teenager, I had that moment of revelation where actually I recognized that although I'd seen the example of my parents and, and people in church living this life of being a Christian, I had a revelation in my soul, in my spirit, that I needed to ask God into my life. 
I needed to say sorry for all the things that I'd done. And I needed to ask him to come and be Lord and Savior over my life. That was the first moment of revelation of who God is. And then later in life, in my 20s, I got, again, a fresh revelation of who God is. And in that revelation, I recognized that something within me, something about the way I was doing life, something about my character needed to change in order to go further in my relationship with God. So I got this fresh revelation of who he is and who he's called me to be. So I needed to change something within myself in order to build on that relationship with him. And then even now, as I study his word, as I seek first his kingdom, as I pursue his heart, I get fresh revelation about the person and the purpose and the character of God. As we draw close to him, as we cultivate this relationship with him, as we find that space to rest in him, you know, truly rest in him where we feel the burdens and, and the weight of the anxieties and fears in our life truly lift off and move on to him. As we can find that rest, we can begin to get fresh revelation of who he is. Because when we find that rest in his presence, he'll begin to reveal some more of the mysteries of himself. We were singing about that this morning, about him revealing the mysteries of himself to us bringing that revelation of who he is, but not just who he is, who we are in him. So I encourage you to, to pursue his presence, to cultivate this relationship with him, and that in those places he can bring revelation. He can begin to reveal to us our true identity in Christ. He can reveal to us the plans and purposes that he's got for our lives. But I won't go too much into that because Ruth's going to be speaking into that next week as we look at the second value of, of people finding their God-given purpose. But as we pursue the heart of God, it comes out of a place of seeking relationship with him. It comes out of finding rest in his presence. And with that, with that comes revelation. With that comes a revelation of him. You know, this morning I could have talked about restoration as well as, a, as another R because, you know, restoration comes from being in the presence of God. It comes from finding that rest. It comes from building relationship. But, but again, that's going to come up in a couple of weeks when we talk about the value of restoring the brokenhearted. So there's, there's so much in this as we go on the journey through these values that God's placed on our hearts for this church. So we've talked about some of the tools that, that as a church we want to provide and we want to create those opportunities for each of us to, to build relationship, to find rest, to seek revelation. But it's important at this moment as we close to, to emphasize the fact that it's not just on the church. That we can do all that we can to, to give you these opportunities to create spaces for you to seek God's presence, but it needs to be about how you can do this as well. You need to be putting in your part. You need to be putting in your own effort. You need to be seeking God for yourself. 
We can create as many opportunities as you like, but unless you actively participate in those, nothing's going to happen. You need to actively pursue the heart of God. It needs to become a lifestyle choice, essentially, for each and every one of us. You know, they talk about that in Slimming World. It's not a diet, it's a lifestyle choice. And that's what we're talking about this morning, that we need to make a lifestyle choice to pursue the heart of God. We need to make that part of our DNA. We need to make that part of our characters that we will pursue the heart of God in everything that we do. And let me close with this. You know, Jesus is the perfect example of how we should do life, isn't he? We look to Jesus for how we should live our lives. And when Jesus was on the earth, he spent his life seeking his father. He spent his life seeking his father. You see, he didn't come to earth to do his will. He came to earth to do the will of his father. He said, I can't do anything unless I see the father doing it. You know, his, par- his parents lost him for a few days. And where did they find him? In the synagogue. Because he had to be about his father's business. And then in John 10:30, Jesus declared, I and the Father are one. They are in unity together. They are in partnership together. Jesus sought and pursued the heart of God with everything that he did, with every opportunity that he had. And I pray that we will be a people who pursue the heart of God with intentionality, with purpose, with passion, from a place within us that recognizes that that was the original design for life, that we would pursue God, that we would walk with him, that we would have a close and personal relationship with God. Is that good? I hope so. Why don't we pray? Father God, we thank you that your design for life was that we have relationship with you that you planned and purposed it, that we should walk with you and talk with you and trust in you and rely on you. And so I pray this morning and as we, as we work through these values that we'll recognize that you're with us, that you've got us, that you're for us, that we'll recognize that as we work in partnership with you, as we build relationship with you, as we seek your presence to find rest for our souls, as you bring fresh revelation of who you are and of who we are in you, that we will, we will find joy, that we will find peace, that we will find perfect love, and that we will be made whole in you. So we ask this in Jesus' name.